I'm Greg Casparo, and this is the Spread HD Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. This is going to be episode one of season two of the Spread HD podcast. Uh, today we're going to discuss several topics uh, in the end of April 2020. So what the topics that we're going to discuss in episode two, or I'm sorry, episode one of season two, are going to include some predictions that were made for the 2019 season, both college and NFL football. We're going to assess the 2020 NFL draft, some winners and losers uh, that we think are going to come out of this draft. We're also going to go through the NFL CBA changes that were made uh, last month. And then uh, finally, uh, just wrap it up with how we think sports are going to look in the era of COVID-19. Today's guest that we have to kick off season two is a return from last season. It's Andrew Peterson. Andrew, if you want to say hi. Hey, Greg. How's it going? Um, Happy to be back. yeah, always, always enjoy talking about sports. So, um, especially with not a lot going on, it uh, NFL draft uh, gives us something to look forward to. Absolutely, and uh, we had a good Thursday night this past night. Uh, Andrew and I watched uh, most of the first round uh, together via Google Hangouts, uh, and also just reconnected with some old high school friends. Uh, some that we hadn't seen in probably eight or nine years. So it was a good, uh, good time to check out the sports scene in, in the era of COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, good time to, uh, <laughs> to reconnect with, with some old people. Um, Absolutely. And, you, and you learn that a lot of people don't change over the years. So. <laughs> no, Sh- shout out to Steve Lopez. If yeah. He's listening to this <laughs> podcast. I'll have to reach out to him when the episode airs. Um, so first thing I will just chat about is, um, some of the predictions we made, uh, back in season one of our podcast. So the first time I brought you on, we dived into college football. So we talked about some storylines, like you had brought up the whole, uh, Jonathan Taylor going after the rushing record. We talked about, I think Les Miles, uh, coaching Kansas. Didn't look like that one, uh, (laughs) That season didn't go over too well. Yeah. Um, Pat McAfee was going to be brought on by ESPN for some Thursday night college games. Uh, But really what we were going to look at are some of the predictions we made as far as how the season would finish. So I wrote down everything that you had predicted just as a recap. And uh, a lot of the predictions you made for for, that we both made, I should say for college were pretty spot on. NFL is a different story. Um, (laughs) So for the ACC, you said it was going to be Clemson versus Virginia and that Clemson would win. So you mm-hmm. hit the head on the nail there. Good work. Yeah, I mean, Clemson's a pretty pretty easy choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that you got Virginia. Yeah. Like, I remember when we chatted, you had said we had talked about how like the winner of the ACC Coastal had been like different for this for six years in a row. And then mm-hmm. the only team that hadn't made it was Virginia. And sure enough. They were uh, seven for seven there. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
sleeper you had was Syracuse, which I think their season was a little bit. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did not do well at all. Yeah. Um, so then I had Clemson versus Miami, and my sleeper was Virginia Tech. So I was off on the coastal representative, and my sleeper, uh, Virginia Tech, continued to kind of have mediocre seasons. I think I, I don't remember their final record. I think it might have been like eight and four. Um, mm-hmm. So Big Ten, but I did, I did get Clemson right, so so we did hit the head there. Um, Big Ten, you had Michigan beating Wisconsin. And your sleeper was Minnesota, which your sleeper turned out to be pretty doggone good. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. Went ten and two, got to the, um, I think it was the Citrus Bowl. Oh no, that was the Outback Bowl. They played Auburn and they actually beat Auburn. Uh, but you were a little off on the Big Ten championship, although you did get the Big Ten West champ in Wisconsin. I had Ohio State versus Wisconsin, and I had Ohio State winning, so I got that. Yep. But my sleeper was Michigan State, and they <laughs> didn't have the greatest of years. No. Uh, Mark D'Antonio is now retired, so that's interesting to to see how that season turned out for them. Uh, Big 12, we both had Oklahoma defeating Texas, so we at least got the Big 12 champion correct. Um, the sleeper for you was Baylor. My sleeper was Iowa state. So I'd say you win there because Baylor did represent, uh, the second team in the big 12 championship and, uh, and went on to make a new year six ball, although losing to Georgia in the sugar bowl. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll give you the edge <laughs> there for, uh, the big 12, the sec. We both had Georgia and Alabama as our, um, championship matchup. You had Alabama as the victor, and I had Georgia, but neither of us got LSU in the title game, and they ended up winning the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, your sleeper was Auburn. My sleeper was Mississippi State. So I'll give you the edge there <laughs> because Mississippi State, I th- think they finished like 7-5 and five or 6-6. Six and six, not uh, They were 6-7. and seven. Oh, okay. Oh, probably because they lost their bowl yeah, game. Yeah. So again, like not, not a great uh, sleeper pick. Um, and then the Pac-12, you also get the edge. The only one it looks like I out, out, outmanned you, if you will, was the Big Ten. But mm-hmm. uh, Pac-12, you had Oregon versus Utah, and Oregon was your champion. So you, uh, you got that one perfectly. Your sleeper, though, was UCLA. I think they had yet another <laughs> not-so-great season. Um, my matchup was Washington versus Utah, and I had Washington as the victor, and my sleeper was Cal, which at the beginning of the year, Cal was looking pretty good. But yeah. Uh, again, I don't, I don't, I don't think either of our sleepers were that much of sleepers, <laughs> but you got Oregon as the champ and they went on to defeat Wisconsin in the Rose bowl. Um, then the four college football playoff teams we had. So you and I both got two out of the four selections, correct? So you had Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Oregon. So you got Clemson and Oklahoma as your two. And then I had Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Washington. So I had Clemson and Ohio State as mine. Um, again, not, neither of us got LSU. Uh, they definitely, I think, were just overall the sleeper in college sports. And uh, had a pretty good year. Joe Burrow won the Heisman. Yeah. I think you had had with Jonathan Taylor as like, kind of like a Heisman watch kind of candidate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, feel like. Alabama's just been so dominant recently that people overlooked LSU a little bit, but 
Yeah, yeah, and, and just like that division in general, um, I think people who, if they weren't going to pick Alabama to win the division, they probably were going to pick a team like Auburn. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just overlooked, and I think people maybe also didn't necessarily think that Edward John might have been the right guy, um, or they just didn't know if just one year with Joe Burrow was going to be enough going into year two for him, but it turns out he pretty much set college football bla- ablaze, if you will, with his passing records that he set both SEC and nationally. So, um, And actually, we wa- uh, now that I think about it, we watched the national championship game together. So We all, did, yeah. Yep. All came around full <laughs> circle. Got to come out to Conshohocken. Yep. So, all right. So next thing we'll jump into is NFL. So I'm just going to read the teams that you and I had as being like representing the one through six seeds for both the AFC and the NFC. And we can see kind of how I think you probably, I think you want, well, I'll read them and then we'll see who okay. the better predictions. So for AFC, you had chiefs, Ravens, Patriots, Texans, chargers, Browns. So you actually got all of the division winners right for that. You just the only ones you had flip flopped were Baltimore and Kansas City. Yeah. So pretty good. Uh, obviously, Chargers and Browns <laughs> did not live no. up to expectations, especially Cleveland. Yeah. Although LA. Didn't yeah, I mean, I think do that great either. Looks like the Chargers had a worse record than the Browns. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. My AFC. I you, I think you win the AFC as you're about to see here because I had. Chiefs, Steelers, Patriots, Jaguars, Chargers, and Ravens. So I only got three out of the six total teams, and I had Baltimore as the sixth seed when in reality they had they were the best team in the AFC. And then I had the Steelers, Jaguars, and Chargers in there, and neither of those teams. Well, Steelers were right on the door, but Jaguars and Chargers did not, as you know, we already yep. covered, didn't live <laughs> up to the hype. Um which I remember when we did the AFC NFC South episode, we b- both mutually agreed that the AFC South was just like the Island of Misfit toys yeah. as far as <laughs> NFL divisions. Yeah. Goes. That one was kind of a toss up. Um, and after, after I go through NFC, we could just chat about some other, other mm-hmm. NFL things. Um, so NFC, you had saints, Eagles, Rams, Vikings, Falcons, Packers. So you got four of those correct because you had Saints, Eagles, Vikings, and Packers. Rams and Falcons obviously didn't make it. I guess the teams you missed would have been the 49ers and the Seahawks. I had Saints, Eagles, Rams, Vikings, Packers, 49ers. So I guess the only one I missed, I had the Rams when in reality I should have had the Seahawks. And I, obviously the order was a little bit flip-flop. So we both had Green Bay kind of towards the end when they were like the two seed. Um, we both thought the Rams would have been a three seed when in reality they were they, – what, they missed the playoffs this past year, although the NFL's new CBA they, I guess would have been the seven seed. Um, so I, I don't know. That one's kind of a toss-up. I guess I win the NFC yeah. if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> um, and then you had, we both had our, we just gave our uh, conference championship predictions. So you had um, 
Chiefs and Ravens is yours, and I had Steelers and Chargers. So you definitely win that <laughs> one because neither of my teams even made the playoffs. Yeah. And then you had Saints Eagles. As actually, we both had Saints Eagles as our NFC matchup. So, um, one both of those teams were knocked out in the in the uh, wild card round. So I I would say you probably win the predictions on that since you had Kansas City. Um, okay, so just other things that I like think back to from the NFL season. Um, I remember when you picked the Ravens as your two seed. I was like highly skeptical because I didn't really know if Lamar Jackson could do that. But then I actually had picked Lamar Jackson as my backup quarterback for fantasy football. Um, because when we were picking uh, fantasy football with my league, my first quarterback pick was Andrew Luck. <laughs> uh, that was <laughs> before you found out. We literally uh, did it. Yeah. So we did our draft on like a Monday night in August and the Saturday night after we did the draft was when all the reports were circulating about how he was retiring. And I remember being like, well, at least I picked Lamar Jackson as like, and he was like my round 15 pick. Like yeah. he was like the last pick I made. Like I even picked like my kicker and defense before I picked Lamar Jackson. So at the time I just swapped out Andrew Luck and got Dak Prescott, which also would have been a phenomenal addition, but I think I only started Dak Prescott two weeks and the only two weeks I started him was the first week. And then maybe like whatever week Lamar like played the Steelers first, because I didn't know. I I just assumed Dak was going to be better than Lamar. And then I remember week one, Lamar had like five touchdowns and 300 some yards against the Dolphins. But Dak also had a good game. So it didn't really, it didn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like I thought the Ravens were going to do well, but how well they did in the regular season kind of surprised me. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson, uh, some of those plays he made this year just uh, – Like the spin move. Oh, the yeah, Eagles. the spin move where you like, faked <laughs> out two people. Um, yeah. Yeah. I or just, like, his, like, stop and stutter. Like, there would be yeah. times where he'd, like, be going towards the sideline and he would just, like, stop and the guy would just, like, fly out of bounds. Yeah, and it's, like, crazy – these are like some of the best athletes in the world and he's making them look silly. He's, so. It's almost like he, it's like in basketball when you like cross someone over and you like quote unquote break their ankles. Yeah. He was just like doing that to, he was just doing that to like pretty much everyone. Linebackers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. Um, the, I'm trying to even think like the only game that I can think of where he wasn't as impressive was whenever you guys play the Steelers early in the season, but the Ravens still ended up winning the game. Um, he obviously like put up like big numbers, even in like the losses, like against the chiefs and the Browns, like early on in the season. Um, but like the Steelers game, like I remember, I think he threw like a couple interceptions in that game, but again, like you still, you guys still got the win in overtime in up in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I think that um, was, Justin Tucker had like the the game tying mm-hmm. and game winning kicks. So, yeah, I think there was another game he didn't look too great in. Oh, that was yeah, versus the uh, Bills, I think. Oh, uh, that was like later on mm-hmm. in the season, from what I remember. And then I guess if you wanted to throw another game in there, you could throw in the playoff game, but we don't need to talk about that. Oh, that still get nightmares of uh, Derrick Henry 
running yeah. over <laughs> the defense. Yeah. The, 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 so this past, I remember like saying to myself, like that I was going to like watch the NFL playoffs a lot more closely this past year than I would had like previous years, just because in previous years I was either traveling or like visiting family or had other, other things going on and wasn't always able to sit down and watch. But the one game that I like watched from beginning to end was actually when the Titans played the Patriots. Okay. And I went over to a friend's house and watched that. And I remember like, I was pretty much convinced like the Patriots were going to win, but that was, I I don't even know how many like pass attempts that they made. I'm pretty sure they were just like giving the ball to Derrick Henry and just (laughs) a force. Um, I remember also watching like the 49ers play the Vikings. I was actually visiting my brother in Norfolk um, at the time. And we went out to uh, just like a restaurant in the area and they had a, a really big screen in this like restaurant, like kind of complex and just like played shuffleboard and watched that. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, but I do remember when we did our AFC and NFC South that I had said, I had think I had made the comment to you along the lines of, when I look at the Titans roster, there's like nobody on that team that I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to draft that guy for my <laughs> fantasy team. And then now after this past season, I'm like seriously debating whenever, you know, Matthew Barry and all the various um, fantasy football gurus come out with their uh, fantasy football draft projections. Like I'm curious to see like where Derrick Henry would fall on like a, a draft like I would imagine after his performance at the end of the year that one would consider him to be at least like a top 10 selection but yeah I, I mean really I would know. think I think he would have Maybe to top be. five yeah yeah I I remember when looking at the fantasy football draft like the consensus was that like it was like Saquon Barkley or like Christian McCaffrey were like the common first overall picks and I would say like in looking back like Christian McCaffrey is would have been the better selection. Um, but then after that, like, I don't really recall this past year. I don't really recall like specific offensive players just like having like breakout seasons other than like Lamar Jackson or Christian McCaffrey. Like those guys were like setting records and whatnot. So yeah, pretty much um, like if you had one of those two people on your team, you were like pretty much guaranteed to make the, the championship. <laughs> Well, fun fact, I had Lamar Jackson and I didn't even make the playoffs. Oh, so. really? Well, so part of that was because my first couple, so my first pick overall, I picked Alvin Kamara and he had a couple games where he was injured. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't really able to use him for the whole year. Like this was like weeks like nine through 12 or 10 through 12, like he was hurt. So I didn't really have him later in the regular season um, for, you know, fantasy leagues. And then my second round pick was Odell Beckham Jr., which he didn't. He didn't have a very good year with the Browns. Yeah. Lamar um, uh, Jarvis Landry would have been the better Browns selection, or Nick Chubb. But I picked Odell Beckham, and then my th- my third round pick was George Kittle. So that was pretty good. Like he was like a top three tight end. Mm-hmm. And but then after that, like my second running back that I took. Um, was um Marlon Mack which he he like did decent but he was like maybe like a top 15 or 20 running back but he wasn't like a hot, you know an elite running back and then my other receiver I took was um 
Kenny Galladay, which I ended up trading him later in, in the year for other players. So, like, just, you know, over, like, the first five picks of my draft, the only one that, like, I would say really panned out to be, like, a good pick was George Kittle. And then the rest of them were just not elite at all. And so I think that's probably what tripped me up. Gotcha. Not as great running back picks and then definitely not as great wide receiver selections. Although Galladay ended up actually being like the seventh best receiver in our league. So Yeah, but I think I had Galladay in one of my leagues. Yeah, I I don't even I'm I don't even remember who I I'm gonna look while we're while we're chatting, I'm gonna look to see who I even like traded him for, but I I guess it didn't work. Oh, you know what? One of I traded him for three people. So I traded him for Stefan Diggs, which was a fantastic move because Stefan Diggs had that like breakout game against the Eagles, if you remember. He like, oh, he, like yeah. literally had like forty some fantasy points, except the only thing is I didn't start him that week. <laughs> <laughs> so I missed out on those points. But he had some other like good games after that. And then I got Jordan Howard, who was like the running back for the Eagles, but he ended up getting less touches as the season goes on so like in hindsight that wouldn't wasn't as good of a matchup because they ended up using um miles sanders miles sanders more often yeah. yeah and then there was a rookie receiver for the redskins and i can't remember his name um oh uh terry mclaurin terry mclaurin which he was like really good the first f- so like basically what happened was i made this trade like week five whenever like the lions were on by or whatever and at the time, like Diggs was doing really bad. McLaurin was like going off and Jordan Howard was like a top 20 running back. So I was like, all right, I'll trade this like high level. I, I basically needed depth. So I made the trade for that. I would, I don't, I don't really know if I could say that it was a good trade or not. Cause Stefan Diggs was pretty good for a couple weeks, but it was always like difficult whether or not I was going to start him or not. And then Odell Beckham, <laughs> I continued to start thinking, okay, at some point he's going to go off and he just like never did. Yeah. So it just didn't work out. I didn't make the playoffs. I don't even remember the guy that won the league. I don't even really remember like who he had on his roster. Like, I don't think, I think like the guy who won was like not that impressive of a roster. If he's listening to this podcast, sorry. <laughs> um, but like whoever won, like, it was just like, Oh, like your roster is pretty average, but yeah, still won. So yeah. I mean, um, a lot of times it's just about, getting lucky in this playoff games yeah it's about getting lucky and there was a team i remember that like at the beginning of the year it was like as we like watched the season progress we were like okay this guy is definitely gonna win the league because he had deshaun watson he had he had saquon barkley but like because saquon was hurt it like wasn't as good of a pick he had the patriots defense which was like putting up huge numbers at the beginning of the year he also had um oh man not mike evans but the other he had mike evans and the other receiver from the box what's his name um uh got chris godwin yeah he had chris godwin so like he that guy was putting up big numbers and then he he had like oh he had dalvin cook that was it so like dalvin cook the patriots defense deshaun watson and uh chris godwin those like four people alone in the first like 
five weeks of the season were like top 10 overall point guys. So he had like four of the top 10 overall point guys yeah. on his team. Yeah. It like looked like it was inevitable he was going to win. I think in one of my leagues, I had both Jameis Winston and Mike Evans. And I think there was one week I started them and Mike Evans had like three or four touchdowns in the first half. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> so I think I like got close to like 200 points that week. Um, oh wow i don't think <laughs> i don't know if anybody in our league has ever eclipsed 200 but we've definitely had people like go above 180 yeah but we also do like a half peep we have like a half point for for reception so like that okay yeah we way. do we do a full point okay okay gotcha all right so um instead of talking about fantasy drafts <laughs> and fantasy football I, I guess we could jump into the actual nfl draft that took place uh, a couple well Today's Sunday, the uh, what is it, twenty sixth of April? I like I'm losing track of the time <laughs> as this yeah each each day blends on. together. <laughs> so I guess it what what had been the draft the last three days is now over. Um, when we were watching it on Thursday night, what were some either like good picks that were made in the first round or like surprises that you were noticing happen in the first round that you like wanted to share um, with the audience? Yeah, well, I mean, I think definitely the biggest surprise pick uh, had to be uh, Jordan Love going to the Packers. I feel yeah, like that's, that's what I was thinking. Kind too. of a consensus uh, surprise pick. Um, right. He because uh, they had to trade up to get him, from what I remember. They did, yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think anybody really anticipated them drafting a quarterback, and especially one that high, but. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I guess we'll find out. Uh, I mean, the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson at the end of the first round, uh, right? A couple years right. ago, and I mean, Joe Flacco is very different from uh, Aaron Rodgers, but um, yeah. So that one, that one was a little surprising. Um, yeah, and I think another thing, just to, like go back to the Jordan Love takeaway is there's like a lot of parallels between when the Packers took Jordan Love compared to when they took Aaron Rodgers. So like one example is when they took Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers was like projected. He was like projected to be like a pretty high first round pick. And there were some draft analysts that thought Jordan Love was going to be taken higher than he was, but I honestly never saw Jordan Love as being like a top 10 pick, like some people were saying. But anyway, to make my point, Aaron Rodgers like fell in the draft and kind of like fell in the laps of the Packers, whereas I, I would say in this case, they kind of like maybe made a bit of a reach to get him. Mm-hmm. But the big the big parallel was when Brett Favre, Brett Favre was 36 years old in the 2005 draft when they took Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers is now today 36 years old so it's almost like they're getting a quarterback that they believe is going to like study under their current quarterback and eventually be the replacement but I I mean we'll talk about this later when we talk about our winners and losers from the draft but I don't know if Jordan Love is the guy but I guess only time will tell yeah I feel like I feel like the NFL is kind of different now wherein like quarterbacks don't like study behind someone for like multiple years now i feel like they're more 
they jump right in. Yeah, they or, jump or right if in. They stud- if, or if they, are, if they study under somebody, it only like lasts like a year. Yeah. And I think like we have the examples of like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like both, well, Lamar came in a little bit sooner than maybe people were thinking. Yeah. Whereas Mahomes literally did pretty much sit the yeah. whole first year and behind. I, and I think uh, that's, Alex I think that is a little bit better because then, I mean, you know quicker whether that guy is going to work for you or not. Um, right. Just because of like, how valuable like drafting quarterbacks out of college is um, having that feedback quicker allows you to like get another person if, if they don't work out. Yeah. And I guess like the other comment I've always heard about drafts is if you draft somebody in the first round, you're not drafting that person to just sit on the bench. Like yeah. you're drafting that person because you want them to like actually play football. Mm-hmm. Like I remember that was like something that people were talking about two years back whenever like the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield. Cause if you remember like the Browns also had Tyrod Taylor on their roster and yeah. they actually like started Tyrod the first couple weeks. Um, but then like whenever they were performing poorly at the beginning, they swapped out Taylor and put in Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And s- ever since Baker Mayfield has been the starter for the Browns. So yeah. Yeah. And I think you kind of saw that with like uh, Kyler Murray last year um yeah although i'm trying to remember who else was did they also have um sam bradford i'm trying to remember uh, who else was on the roster for the cardinals did they have i, f- I feel Mike like kyler Glennon. started right away oh uh, but is that real <laughs> if that was the quarterback that is shocking to me that they were gonna have kyler just like study under him <laughs> i'm trying to remember i think he was one of the quarterbacks. Oh, uh, Josh Rosen. But they he traded was Josh traded. Rosen to the Dolphins, yeah. which now in hindsight, it's like, why did the Dolphins do that? But yeah. I mean, the that was who the Cardinals picked as their first round pick, and they got a second round pick for Rosen. So I would say the Cardinals ended up winning because I don't, well, I don't know. I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick's back with the Dolphins or if he's a free agent, but. Yeah. Uh, they also, they had. Brett Hundley, who's the okay. backup for Aaron Rodgers. Okay. I'm pretty sure Kyler was the starter going yeah. into the year. Yep. Anyway. All right, let's um let's oh, any other uh, surprises or, or things that you saw as being like you completely agree with and when we were watching the first round together. I remember when we were chatting with our old high school friends. Yeah, I mean I think I agree with uh Joe Burrow and Tua being the first oh, two yeah. quarterbacks. I mean, I think that was, uh, that was fairly clear. Um, there was some discussion about, like, whether the Dolphins would draft Tua or not. But um, right. I, I'm I'm fairly confident in him. I feel like really the only worries about him are with the um, with the injuries. But I feel like he has a pretty big, uh, big upside in the NFL. Um He's got a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of like talent to work with. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess like the surprises probably really started, especially for our friend Steve Lopez. Whenever uh, the Giants decided to select Andrew Thomas at number four. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, but I've Steve I've been reading team. about that some, and people aren't as upset about that okay. as he was. <laughs> I guess the I guess the upsettingness was that from a positional ranking. 
yeah like espn and various other outlets were like at his individual position he's like the fourth best mm-hmm. player and he was the first offensive tackle taken so yeah. people were questioning that he also was the 16th overall prospect out of everybody in the draft so you would expect he would be more of like a mid first round player but yeah i guess like that it's not so bad mm-hmm. um I think things kind of got a little bit... Honestly, I think things got a little bit strange when the Raiders decided to pick Henry Ruggs Third at number 12. Oh, yeah, um, over like uh, like C.D. Lamb. Over Jerry Judy and C.D. Yeah. Lamb. Um, he, now, he was like the... Th- he was rated the third best receiver and the 11th best player overall, and the Raiders had the, had the 12th pick. But like the fact that Jerry Judy and... CD Lamb hadn't been taken. Like I think when we were chatting with our friends, we were pretty much in consensus. It should either be Judy or Lambs. I would think most people were saying Judy. A couple people were saying Lamb. Yeah, I mean I but I guess if if they're in a position where they like him better than the other guys, they can't really wait until like the second round. No, I agree. No, I oh no, and and I think it like I think it was pretty much a consensus that Henry Ruggs was going to be a first rounder and we knew that the Raiders had like another first round pick, mm-hmm. but you know, I guess they probably didn't want to take the risk of let's get a more like defensive player. Cause like their next pick was like a corner. So like, instead of being like, let's get our, the best corner available now and then get, um, rugs later on they probably didn't want to take that risk because they saw a lot a lot of other teams needing a receiver which was true because judy went to the broncos at 15 and lamb went to the cowboys at 17 Mm -hmm. so i mean i guess according to the raiders like they believe rugs was the best wide receiver i just have yet to see anybody any other outlets say that they would have done that so and when we talk about our winners and losers we'll we'll get into that later but um and looking other than I would say other than the receivers that were picked like towards the top to mid first round. And then as we discussed um, the uh, the Jordan Love pick by the Packers, can't really think of any other big surprises. One thing um, kind of like a more personal thing was um, I, I do have some in-laws that are big Patriots fans and they were eagerly anticipating to see who the Patriots were going to pick. And then right before I ended up going to bed it turns out like the Patriots traded their pick to the chargers and the chargers took a uh, linebacker out of Oklahoma. So I think they were just like anticipating to see like, are the Patriots actually going to pick a quarterback or are they going to pick a defensive player? Like they, they just wanted to see like what they were going to do in the first round. And then mm-hmm. they unfortunately didn't get that opportunity. So I would say like between Jordan love, the Patriots not picking and then the wide receiver shakeup, Overall, I would say pretty the draft was was making sense. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, let's uh, jump into some teams that we thought had a really good NFL draft. So I'll let you. We'll just like alternate. Um, what was what was the team for you? So we'll each do three. What was the team for you that you felt uh, had a really good draft? Um. So first off, I'd probably say the um, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, okay. Obviously, Joe Burrow. Um, they need a franchise quarterback after Andy Dalton. Um, okay. And I think Andy Dalton was always like I've I've heard I've heard him referred to as like uh the measuring stick in the NFL. Like he's your 
league average quarterback. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um uh but I think I think Joe Burrow um has the ability to uh to propel them forward and be the uh franchise quarterback for them. And then I think as well um the fact that they got uh T Higgins from Clemson. Oh yeah. Um he looked very good in college, so and I think I was reading that um his NFL draft comparison, like the player they compared him to was AJ Green, so that's uh pretty interesting. What's <laughs> the yeah, fact that he's going to the there. Bengals? Right, right. Okay. Um so a team that I had as having a good draft was um the Denver Broncos, so we'll keep it in the AFC. Um so I'm going to go with them first off based on what we were talking about earlier that they didn't have to give up any draft capital and Jerry Judy fell in their laps to them at number 15. And I think it was pretty safe to say that we knew that the Broncos were going to need some wide receivers, uh, especially because they, they traded Emmanuel Sanders last year uh, to the 49ers towards the end of the season or middle of the season, I guess. And other than that, I like, I can't think of any other like offensive weapon on that team. Like, yeah. In thinking about like the Broncos in general, like they're known for their defense, but like last year they kind of were transitioning away from Joe Flacco. They, you know, for the most part, especially towards the end of the Peyton Manning era, they were like a run heavy team. I, and like after they traded Sanders, I, I really couldn't think of any of like a big offensive player on that team. They've obviously since changed that. So like in the off season, like with, with um, free agency, they got Melvin Gordon. Um, but then I, I would just say like the fact that Jerry Judy fell into their laps at 15 and then in round two, they like doubled down on the notion that they need offensive help. They got KJ Hamler from Penn state, mm-hmm. which he's, de- he definitely fits like the, uh, he's not really like, a. I wouldn't call him like a, he's not like a complete package receiver, like Judy Ruggs or, um, CD Lamb where 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 they have like the size, the speed and they can like run any route. I would say Hamler's more of he can be like a slot guy, but he can also be like a burner. Um but the fact that they got like a guy that has I mean he's pretty fast as their like second receiver that they took is is pretty good. Um and then also just and look if when I look at their team needs, like I knew their top needs were going to be like receiver, corner and defensive tackle. And they were able to address all of those major deeds in their first three rounds. So I'm yep. like, I, I give them an A plus, and I think that they're probably going to see an improvement going into this upcoming year. Mm-hmm. Who's a, who's another uh, team you thought had a good draft? Um, so this is a bit of a homer pick, but uh, it fine. seems a lot of people agree with me. So say the <laughs> uh, the Ravens. Uh, okay. So. Um, one of their big needs coming into the draft uh, was at linebacker, um, and they were able to fill that um, in the first round with uh, Patrick Queen, um, who, um, and I think in general the Ravens were able to get like good value from their picks in terms of people that had fallen down the board a little bit or um, that other teams weren't picking for certain reasons. Um, I like the pick of uh, J.K. Dobbins in the second round as well. Um, even though running back uh, wasn't the biggest need for the Ravens, um, 
especially since they just set the team record in rushing yards. <laughs> um, right. I mean, Mark Ingram's getting older. Um, and then behind Mark Ingram, I guess they had Gus Edwards. Um, but I think... Um, they also have Justice Hill. Justice Hill as well, yeah. yeah. But um, I like... Um, I liked watching J.K. Dobbins in college. Um, mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of the uh, the shorter running backs. Um, mm-hmm. You um, you can kind of like get get underneath of the uh, the big lineman almost. And then um, yeah, they were able to uh, make some good value picks in the later rounds. And um, yeah, it seems to kind of be a be a trend for the Ravens that they generally generally seem to draft well so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah do you so when they picked Dobbins in the second round do you think they were mostly just picking that because they were like how is it that the second best running back in this draft is like still available like, yeah yeah pick him and yeah, they, they kind of have a too. history of uh, picking like the best player available regardless of team needs of, of yeah no i agree so the reason i bring that up is because two picks ahead of the ravens was actually the steelers mm-hmm. and like literally right or i'm sorry not two picks after it was like maybe maybe like um, let me look at it by round but it was a cu- at least a couple picks before the ravens picked um yeah, before right a couple picks before the Ravens picked Dobbins, the Steelers were on the board and a lot of people were projecting that the Steelers needed to get a running back because like James Conner is a little bit injury prone and there are other backs that they have like Jalen Samuels, he's more of like a pass catching back. He's not really like an every down runner. Um and then they also had Benny Snell yep. from last year. He was like a rookie. So I think like when the Steelers, who they didn't even have a first round pick because they had traded a first round to the Dolphins to get Minka Fitzpatrick at the beginning of last year. A lot of people were thinking, like, oh my gosh, like J.K. Dobbins is available. Like, we can get a running back and really like shore up kind of that position, especially because of the injury concerns and just not really a lot of experience in general. I mean, only Jalen Samuels has only played two or three years, uh, Snell has only played a year. Connor's only played three years. So I think there were a lot of people wanting to get Dobbins and then they ended up going with Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. He's he was like a pretty big bodied receiver. So there were some people who were not just coming from Steeler Nation. There were there were some people who were not too pleased with the Steelers, the fact that they let J.K. Dobbins go when he was still available, but only time will tell to see like if that was actually like a good decision or not. Cause I think there's some upside to chase Claypool. I just don't know if he was, should have been taken at the time that he was, but only time will tell. Yeah. Um, any other comments on the Ravens that you can, uh, think um, of or? no, not too many more comments. Okay. Okay. So another team that I'll go with that I think had a pretty good draft was the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and I'm going to go with them mainly because so team needs that I had for them, uh, when I was looking at them, whereas they definitely needed to get offensive tackle and defensive tackle help. Then they also, I would say they needed to get an outside linebacker running back wide receiver. They didn't really address the wide receiver concerns, but they did address 
concerns as far as the line goes and as well as the linebacking core. And I think they got one of the best defensive players in the draft. I mean, obviously Chase Young was the best defensive player, but Isaiah Simmons, uh, who many were projecting to be, you know, a highly rated uh, defensive player kind of fell to them at number eight and they were able to get him from Clemson. After that, they pretty much were shoring up their other concerns, like the tackle concerns, um, defensive interior concerns, they got Josh Jones from Houston in round three. And then in round four, they got two uh, interior defensive players uh, with Licky Fotu out of Utah and Richard Lawrence out of LSU. So I think just like addressing some of their big needs, especially because, as we know in football, if you don't have line help on either offensive or defensive line, you're probably not going to really win a lot of football games, even if you have some big playmakers. And you also just want to make sure, like Kyler Murray, is not just running all over the place. Yeah, uh, I think he's you don't done want a situation like what, Yeah, and you just don't want a, a situation like what Russell Wilson has to deal with up in Seattle, where you're just running around <laughs> aimlessly. So I think um, I'd say like in that if I'm looking at like all the teams that in that particular division, I would say like the Cardinals probably had the best draft of those of those teams. So. I'll go with them. Yeah, I'm yeah. Go I think it was um I think it was good that they um they went defense in the first round. Um yeah. they weren't the greatest defensive team last year, so um I think it was good to uh to shore up that in the first round. So Oh, and another reason I completely forgot, it's not really like draft related per se, but like another reason why I think they did, had a good draft too is they didn't have a second round pick, but the second round pick that they would have had, they used to get DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> the fact that they didn't draft a wide receiver, like I had that as being a team need for them, yeah. but they didn't really have to draft one because they got arguably a top five receiver in the NFL. So, mm-hmm. you know, while it wasn't a draft pick, it still helps their team and they used draft capital to get him. And that'll, I think definitely help Kyler in, especially with an aging Larry Fitzgerald. So, all right, let's go with your last team in the NFL that had a good draft. Um, so I went with the uh, Cowboys for the last one. Okay. Um, There's some uh, friends of ours who will be very happy with that uh, assessment. <laughs> There's also some friends of mine that will be unhappy with that assessment. But, <laughs> um, yeah, they um, – they, uh, yeah, I was – I think they were probably pretty happy to get C.D. Lamb um, at that point in the draft. Um, I I considered him the best wide receiver in the draft. Um, okay. So the fact that they got him uh, when two receivers were taken for before him um, was good for them. Um, and yeah, I I feel like um, I'm. I'm a little higher on Dak Prescott than most people, so I think um, just adding adding more weapons around him uh, will only help make him better. I think there's been a little uh, mismanagement in Dallas over the recent years, but um, I'm interested to see uh, see how he works out this year. And I also think their pick um, in the second round of uh, Trayvon Diggs from Alabama um, – I think uh, he looks like a great cornerback, and um, 
he can help uh help shore up the uh Cowboys defense. So um okay. the Cowboys always seem to get a lot of good players each year, but um we'll see how they uh utilize them. <laughs> yeah, I would say uh, they they were a team that I also had on my list. Mm-hmm. Um just like initially when I was just reacting to the draft like that I was like, wow, like given it's Mike McCarthy's first uh season uh, as their head coach, I'd say uh, he had some pretty good insight on who to who to take. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, yeah, definitely one of the biggest winners from the first round, the fact that C.D. Lamb fell to them at number 17. Some people were saying he was, like, one of the best wide receiver prospects that some have evaluated, like, as far as, like, his route running abilities go. Like, Jerry Judy is obviously up there. Amari Cooper from a few years ago is up mm-hmm. there. So, um yeah, the fact that he was available to them. And we knew going in that it was going to be like a very like wide receiver heavy draft. So, yeah, I think um, I read somewhere that um, this was like, um, I forget what agency it was, but this is like the highest rated group of receivers ever or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So especially as as far as like, even if you look at, not just like within their individual position, but like overall, like some people are having Jerry Judy as like the fifth overall best player available. CD Lamb, the sixth best yeah. player overall available. Like, um, you know, even Henry Ruggs, like 11th best player overall available. So I think like you add that, I, I don't even know how many receivers were taken in the first round, but I want to say it was like six or seven. Like that's a lot of, mm-hmm. that's a lot for any one position to be taken in the first round. There's never like, that many quarterbacks usually it's like three or four quarterbacks in the first round any given year so yeah yeah so all right um last team i'm gonna say they had a good draft and then we'll get into our losers if you will from the draft um i'm gonna go with it pains me to say it as a steelers fan but we've been going with a lot of afc north teams here i'm gonna go with the cleveland browns um and uh reason i'm gonna go with the browns mainly is because the needs that I felt that I, that they had, I feel like they did a very good job of shoring up a lot of those needs and getting value for that. So reason I go with that is the needs I had for them were offensive tackle, wide receiver, inside linebacker. Those are like the big three. And then I also had like corner and um, offensive guard, which they didn't really address that in the draft, uh, but they did address it in, uh, you know, in the, especially the beginning part of the draft. So they kind of did like similar to how we talked about the Ravens picking like best player overall available. I think the Browns did a lot of that in the first couple rounds. So their first pick was uh, Jedrick Wills from Alabama. He's a uh, defensive tackle. Um, so that obviously helped them with their position. But then when they were going into rounds two and three, they were like taking best players available. So they got Grant Delpit from LSU. He's a safety. Mm -hmm. And Jordan Elliott, who's a defensive tackle from Missouri. Some some draft outlets had both of those, all three of those players within their top 25. So the fact that they're getting like a round two or a round three pick still within the top 25, even though they're picking 44 and 88 overall, like that's pretty impressive. And then I had mentioned like also that like wide receiver I had as being a need, even though they have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, it's always good to just have depth. And I think they kind of found like 
kind of a sleeper wide receiver that people weren't really talking about. It was later on in the sixth round, but if you remember Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yeah, they found him later. And, you know, time will tell if he, like, ends up being, like, a big uh, product in the NFL. But I think, like, that's a wide receiver that I think had had, had some success in college, that the fact that he was still available that late um, yeah. definitely was Yeah, one of my uh, friends is a uh, big Michigan fan, so. I remember okay. uh, hearing his name quite a bit uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. during those games. Yeah, Just because it's, uh, it's quite noticeable when <laughs> answering. Yeah, yeah. Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones. I heard those yep. names quite a bit in my in my uh, Big Ten viewing <laughs> days these past couple of years. All right, let's get into some teams that we think did not have very good drafts. Um, if you want to start again, who uh, who are you giving low grades to? Um, yeah, so I kind of hinted at this earlier, but, um, the Packers, um, I don't think did very well in the draft. Um, Jordan Love, uh, I think he was a little bit of a reach in the first round. Um, I think they probably, probably could have waited a little longer to, uh, draft him if they really did want a quarterback. Um, I think, I think also, um, the, uh, the, uh, running back they drafted in the second round, um, AJ Dillon, uh, I think he was a bit of a reach as well. Um, and running back wasn't really one of the needs that the, um, uh, the Packers really needed. Um, I think. Neither of those were needed. Yeah. <laughs> they really and I think, um, <laughs> yeah, they really uh, needed wide receiver help, I feel like. Uh, and this was the perfect draft to do it, it. And they did not draft a wide receiver. <laughs> nope, um, they didn't. And, and even when you go with the fact that I mentioned, like, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah, someone like the him. Six rounds available, they don't even get a guy like him. Yeah, so. like last year, Aaron Rodgers was throwing to, uh, is that Lazard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because Devonte Adams was hurt yeah. and they didn't have Randall Cobb anymore, he was on the Cowboys. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, I feel like uh, this would have been the perfect draft to uh, get some good wide receivers, but uh, they didn't even. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, Well, maybe they'll find a diamond in the rough in their uh, in their. Um, you know, undrafted uh, free agency that they're about to enter. I, I know like some teams are already like signing undrafted people, like even starting last night or this morning. So mm-hmm. um, get some guys on practice squad, but uh team I'm going to go with um, that I did not think had a very good draft was the Seattle Seahawks. Um, so reason I go with them is the needs that I felt that they had included um, defensive end, wide receiver, offensive guard, defensive tackle, and safety. So they did address the defensive end, uh, wide receiver, and offensive guard help. I didn't really feel like they did much with the offensive tackle and safety help, especially because those have been two defensive positions that for them over the years, they've lost players via either free agency or trade. So like perfect example, um, Earl Thomas that came to you guys over mm-hmm. in Baltimore. Like they lost a player like him, um, but they don't really appear that they want to, you know, draft a guy. And then I would argue 
that as much as we want to say that Jordan Love was like kind of a reach uh, going into the first round, I would argue that the biggest reach that any team made in the first round was when the Seahawks decided to go with Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech as their um, as their first round pick. I don't know about you, but when I think of Texas Tech, I don't really think of defense. <laughs> no, but not they whatsoever. decided to pick an outside linebacker from Texas Tech, and I know like some outlets like ESPN were having was having him like as like the 90th best or 92nd best overall player yeah uh pro football focus and uh, the athletic like many people like weren't even i think the best one available was like the athletic had him as the like 57th best player like pro football focus had him at 64th so as much as we want to harp on the packers picking jordan love and some people even had like jordan love higher than justin herbert i i don't know i think it was pretty pretty much a, a given that Burrow and Tagovailoa were number one and two. And then after that, you could argue whatever you want for three and four. But um, yeah, I think going with Jordan Brooks as their first pick wasn't necessarily the best decision. And then they get edge help with their second round pick. They get inside um, or I'm sorry, like they get a linebacker with their like third round pick um, or I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong thing. They get, um, offensive guard help in the third round but I just felt like they really needed to shore up some of those players that they've lost from like the Legion of Boom era uh or or just like players that make their defense a lot better or even as I mentioned like go after like offensive line help in the first and second round to really help out Russell Wilson and I didn't really feel like they did that Mm -hmm. so because you want to make sure that you protect your asset especially because Russell Wilson's the highest paid quarterback like you don't want like you don't want a situation like what the Steelers did this past year where Ben Roethlisberger is the second highest paid quarterback and he only plays a game and a quarter or a yeah. game and a half. So um, yeah, I feel like the Seahawks really haven't had too many like notable drafts in recent years. No, like, I would say maybe some of those drafts they had the two to three years before their Super Bowl. Yeah, were noticeable because they got Russell Wilson, Richard Sherman, mm-hmm. Earl Thomas. Um, cam chancellor like those types of of players yeah um but yeah if i think they were more of a team that assesses their team via tr- the trade market yeah or the definitely. free agency market but like that's only gonna like that should really only be a reliance for like a player here or there not like something that you build your franchise around yeah so. and especially because of also, like how the rookie contracts are structured, like you can get right. a lot of value out of a player for not a ton of money. So, right, right. All right. So, who's another team you thought did not have a very good draft? Um, so, I, my next team I picked was the uh, Patriots. Um, All right. So, please enlighten me because I have in laws who would love to know. <laughs> <why>. <laughs> so, for, <laughs> for a couple reasons. Um, All right. Sorry to your in laws. Uh, oh, it's okay. But, um, yeah, so, um, like you mentioned before, they traded out of the first round. Um, mm-hmm. And their first pick in the second round, they took um, Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Rhine, um, uh, which, um, as somebody who went to... Please a, tell me what division that's even in. Division like, two, even... so... As somebody who went to a D2 school myself, um, part of me is excited, but also part of me thinks um, 
you you worry about players like that, like what level of competition they've played against, like going from Division Two football to the NFL, like how easy of a transition that's going to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's also some concerns with him about um, like his um, like lateral movement a little bit. Um, okay. So it wasn't wasn't super excited about that pick, but um, it doesn't doesn't really surprise me from uh, Bill Belichick. I know he does a lot of research into players like that. Um, I saw they also took a kicker in the fifth round. Um, which was fairly interesting. Um, Justin Rohr Wasser out of Marshall. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't, I guess, um, I can't, Gasowski got injured towards the end of last year, right? Right, yeah. Um, And then they brought in, like, Nick Folk, I mm -hmm. think. Um, Yeah. I'm not sure what Gasowski's status is this year, but, um... I feel like they could maybe they know more than we know as well. Yeah, I feel like they could have waited until the uh a later round to get that. Um and I think um another thing, um, I feel like the Patriots would have been looking for a quarterback in this draft. At least somebody to try out. Um Right. So like I think it doesn't that, have to be a first rounder. Yeah, I think like they drafted something. the kicker before um like Jake Fromm. Somebody mm. they could have tried out and maybe he works, maybe he doesn't, but right. And then Jake Fromm goes to a team within the division, mm-hmm. so um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, Brian Hoyer is the uh, long term answer there, so no, no, definitely not, but all right, I'm gonna um jump into my second team uh which is the la chargers uh so the reason i'm gonna go with the chargers uh in looking at what i felt that the team needed was quarterback offensive tackle running back corner and receiver so they did a beautiful job well you could argue if they did a beautiful job they addressed the offensive sides of the football at quarterback receiver and wide receiver or running back and wide receiver which i think goes to show like if those are the three positions that you're trying to address you don't really have much of an offense at all (laughs) if anything you have a line and that's about it but when i think about them i'm like all right who is their top running back i would say probably austin elliker is how you pronounce his last name yeah because melvin gordon isn't there anymore Mm -hmm. and then i guess guess their top receiver now is mike williams uh they still have keenan allen right they still have keenan allen but i feel like he gets hurt i don't know i still had them as needing to get those players Mm -hmm. so the first player they took was quarterback justin herbert which for some people they think he's the third best quarterback in the draft for some people they think the jury's still out on him and i will admit like i watched some games with him this past year when he was playing for oregon and I just felt like he definitely has like the size. He has what I talked about back in season one of this podcast, whereas they call he has a big arm. Yeah. <laughs> um, like he has all those like draft uh, savvy f- catchphrases, if you will. Yeah. But like some of like his decision making, I just didn't really feel like that was 
really like what you're looking for. Like it was almost like his progression from sophomore year to junior year to senior year. Like he wasn't really like making great strides with his decision-making capabilities. And I know Oregon was kind of a, a weird situation where they had like a lot of coaches in a very short span of time for him. So like when he would have been a freshman, Mark Helfrich would have still been their head coach and he was fired at the end of that year. His sophomore year, they had the coach. I don't remember his name, but I remember he was the guy who went to Florida State and he just got fired this past year. Um, uh, his name's escaping me, but regardless, like the, he only has a, a the next head coach for like a season, and then they bring in Mario Cristobal. So like he had like a lot of like head coaching, offensive type changes, but it, you know decision making is a little bit different yeah. than scheme. And then another reason why I'd give him a low grade is. So they were the team that traded with the Patriots in the first round. And I felt like the player they got, so they got Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, which they legitimately like, it's arguable about whether or not they needed a linebacker. But at the same time too, like Patrick Queen was still available and that's who the Ravens ended up getting. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they, instead of getting Patrick Queen, who I think was like a better prospect they went with Kenneth Murray. Like, I think they could have made a better pick, but I also didn't really have them as really needing a, a linebacker. So, and then I don't know, like they're running back and wide receiver players. I just don't know if those were the guys to go after. So their running back they got was Joshua Kelly from UCLA. Uh, their first wide receiver they took was Joe Reed from Virginia. And then the last player they took, which actually I think could end up being a steal. They got KJ Hill from Ohio state. Um, he was their seventh round one of he was their seventh round pick and he still had like an overall grade in the draft of like a 98 so like you could argue he should have been like a third round pick but he fell all the way to the to the seventh round so time will tell I just don't know like if if as I said like if their needs are receiver running back and quarterback I don't know if the guys they got are actually going to help them in those areas and then I don't really think from a defensive standpoint that they went after the types of positions that they actually needed so yeah i can agree again not much not much of an offense (laughs) yeah i think there's some uh jury still some issues in the uh in the management uh with the charges yeah i mean the well this is the first year if we get a football season where they shouldn't be playing in a soccer stadium so hopefully (laughs) they get some more exposure all right who's your last team that you did not think had a good draft um so I went, um, I went with the Eagles for okay. that one. Please enlighten me, because we both know of people who very much enjoy this team. Yes, yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So um, I think uh, Jalen Rager in the first round. I think the Eagles did need a wide receiver, um, okay. but um, I think he was a bit of a reach for them. Um, I also think um, the fact that the Cowboys picked C.D. Lamb uh, at 17, um, just uh, like four picks before them, I think it would have been nice to see them like try to trade up and get um, mm-hmm. either him or um, Judy um, since they weren't like too far away from where the Eagles were. Um, I think the other pick that I had, Quite a lot of people confused was uh, Jalen Hurts 
in the uh, second round. Um, people uh, didn't didn't really understand uh, drafting a backup quarterback in the second round, but um, and it's not. I guess I guess the Eagles are trying to balance like Carson Wentz's injury history. Um, with everything else, and I, I guess the Eagles also have uh, the memories of Nick Foles in their minds, so they, mm. they might value the backup quarterback a little bit higher than other people. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think there were more pressing needs for the Eagles at that point, um, may, mainly more like defensively. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. Their secondary last year was atrocious. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> I feel like they could have gone that route in the second round instead of Jalen Hurts, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't think yeah, it was. was a I don't think it was absolutely awful for the Eagles. I just think there were some uh, better decisions they could have made. So, yeah, no, I I think I can agree with that. Like when I think back to that team overall, because like I'm thinking about the needs that I felt that they had. And, and part of this is I'm a little biased because, one, I don't care as much for the Eagles being a Steelers <laughs> fan. But also, I did recently watch their um, documentary via Amazon Prime, The All or Nothing 2019 Philadelphia Eagles. And um, so the needs I had for them were corner, inside linebacker, safety, outside linebacker, and receiver. So they, <laughs> they hit the receiver part. But, like, basically, they're both their secondary and their linebacking cores – I mean, they just need help. Like, their defensive tackle, as far as, like, run stopping, was pretty good this past year. But, I mean, there were teams that were just shredding them up. Like, I mentioned to you, mm-hmm. um, Stephon like the Diggs. Vikings. Stephon Diggs yeah. just went absolutely <laughs> bananas on them. So, I think they like they didn't even get any of those defensive needs until the third, fourth, later rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that, you know... I don't know if the guys that they got were the guys that are actually going to be helpful. Like their third round pick Davion Taylor outside linebacker. Some people didn't really think he was a third round grade. Yeah. Their fourth round pick Kayvon Wallace. While he is out of Clemson, some people thought he was more of like a sixth or seventh round pick. So I think, yeah, it would have been nice to get, get someone in those earlier rounds. Someone that's a little yeah, and I know like this draft maybe wasn't necessarily a defensive heavy draft. Like last year I remember like so many teams were taking like defensive help in like the first ten picks. Like it was like if you weren't getting a defensive like edge rusher or a linebacker last year, like you needed to because there were a lot there was a lot of talent last year. This year there wasn't that talent. It was more as we talked about from like the receiver side of the football. Mm-hmm. But I just think that, yeah, they probably didn't really help themselves with those picks. The last team I'll go with um, as far as not teams that we didn't feel like had a great draft, uh, I have the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, so I'm keeping it in the AFC West. Um, and reason I'm going to go with them, so we mentioned like the Henry Ruggs thing earlier with the Raiders. Uh, you know, you have Judy and you have uh, – CD Lamb available and you go with rugs. I question that one a little bit. And he is, as I said, he is a good player. I just think that there were better receivers available on the board. Um, th- then they go with Damon Arnett, a corner out of Ohio state later on in the first round. Um, 
and I think like the consensus on him was probably not a first round talent. And I, you know, the Raiders kind of have this trend where they maybe like whoever, whoever is analyzing them, which I guess it's Mike Mayock, the way that he sees things isn't really necessarily the way that other reliable sources like the athletic or pro football focus or um, Todd McShay from like ESPN. I had, the pro football focus saying that he was like the 88th best player available and they're taking him 19 overall. So I just didn't really see that one. Um, Also just their needs in general. I feel like they're a team that probably needed to take a quarterback and I, they didn't really address that. So like I recognize they have um, Derek Carr and they have Marcus Mariota Jerry's still out on which one of those guys is going to be the starter. I would think it's probably going to be Carr. Um, But this probably would have been a draft where if you are having doubts about the guys that are at quarterback, you probably take somebody. Like, they might have been a team that could have benefited from taking a guy like Jordan Love. Like, somebody who's going to sit on the bench, not start right away. Yeah, I feel like both both Mariota and Carr, like, they're kind of reaching the end of, like, they need prime. to like prove themselves this year. Yeah, th- like this is kind of a make it or break it year for both of them. Yeah, like, I could see neither of them having a job beyond twenty twenty. Depending, could, on I could see them happens. in like a backup role or something. But yeah, yeah, they like both of them are like ready to be like the next Blake Bortles, yeah. where it's like you started, you had like one good season, or you got your team to play off one year, and then after that, like, for example, Carr had that year with the Raiders in 2016. He got them to the playoffs, although he got hurt. Yeah. And um, Mariota got his team to the playoffs in 2017. Um, and, you know, the rest is history. Like, he's... Ryan Tannehill just signed a big contract with the Titans. So, um, I just feel like they probably needed a, a quarterback. They didn't really address that. Um, I mean, the Raiders needed a wide receiver, three out of their first four picks for wide receivers. Yeah. Like after you get rugs, like, do you really need to keep drafting receivers? Like you already have Tyrell Williams. You already have Hunter Renfro. I mean, maybe they do legitimately need a lot of receiver help, but I don't, I can't say I've seen a team have three out of their first four picks be the same position, but Hey, that's yeah. just me. If that's uh, it's that's what Mike Mayock and John Gruden think they need to do, go for it. Well, the the we'll one guy in they, the uh, we'll third see how round, they do in, the, Lynn, in the Death Star Stadium. Yeah, <laughs> the one guy in the third round, Lynn Bowden. It looks like he's yeah. listed as a running back slash wide receiver. So, oh, he okay. might be more. So he's like kind of like a hybrid, probably like a Jalen Samuels on the Steelers mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, with that. We're done analyzing the draft. Let's just chat about a couple things uh, related to the NFL CBA that was uh, recently passed, and then we'll just chat about. Uh, we'll we'll end this with talking about some uh, some teams' logos slash uniforms. What we what we like, what we don't like about some of them, and then we'll end it with uh, the COVID nineteen uh, sports assessment. So, as you know, uh, last month the NFL CBA was approved. Um just a couple things to go over and we don't need to go over all of like the main things, but um, what do you think about the NFL regular season uh, starting not this 2020 year, but 2021 becoming a 17 game regular season? What are your thoughts? Um, I'm not really a huge, well, I mean the football fan of me enjoys it. Uh, you always enjoy right. seeing more football games. Um, I'm not, 
I'm not a huge fan of it overall. Um, for a couple reasons. One, I think, um, I think the player safety concern is a big one. Um, just another another opportunity for players to get injured. Um, and I think the other issue is uh, more of like a historical thing. Like anytime you're comparing records now, you're going to have to like compare things in the context of how many, like the post-16 game era. Ah, uh, true. So. Like if you're talking about like yards or... Mm-hmm touchdowns yeah it's like if there's a new record for yards in the season or something you're gonna have to i guess we'll get all new records this year for the 17 game season right especially because like the 16 game season is something that they've had for like over 40 years yeah like i i do remember like like when my dad and uncles and stuff would talk about when there was just like a 14 game schedule Mm -hmm. but like they changed to a 16 game schedule in like 1978 and it's been that way for like years and years and years now obviously like how the schedule is formatted so like as we which is is the interesting thing that i'm what to see is who is that 17th team going to be because the way that the schedule goes you play six games against the three teams in your division you play four games against one division within your conference so if you're the ravens or the steelers you're going to play all the teams in either the afc south east or west then the you play two games against other teams within your conference that finish at the same place so like next year again the nfl schedule hasn't come out but like let's just say that the ravens so we know they finished first and let's just say that they play all of the teams in the afc south they know that they're, the other two teams they'll play in the AFC are going to be the Patriots and the Chiefs, since neither of those teams are in the South, but they finished first. And then they play a division from the NFC. So I don't know. I think next this upcoming year for the Ravens, it would be the um, the uh, NFC East. So they're going to play like the Eagles, Cowboys, um, Redskins, Giants. Yeah. But who's that 17th team going to be? Because the way that the schedule makes it out to seem, I would think... It, it makes sense the way that they have the schedule. I'm led to believe they're pro- the 17th team is probably going to be another team from the NFC. Like I could see a format where the AFC North and the NFC North rotate every year, which with which next team from the NFC they play. As yeah, maybe they like do it kind of similar it. to like, see, so you have one division in the NFC where you play each team and then another division right. where you play the team that finish at the same Oh, so like, so for example, so as I mentioned, the Ravens are playing the NFC East next year. So next year they have to play either Green Bay, San Francisco, or New Orleans since all those teams finished first. Yeah, maybe something like that. Like they have two NFC divisions that they rotate through. Interesting. I kind of would, that is an interesting format. I kind of would prefer if, so we... No, the Ravens are in the AFC North. I would prefer if they had it where like they only play the NFC North, but they rotate which of those four teams every year. So one year it's Packers, Lions, Bears, Vikings, and that rotates. And that way you get like kind of an a rivalry, conference rivalry, especially because like a lot of those teams are located geographically similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's just like a thought. And then 
even in the year where you would play the NFC North, so like you already play the Packers, Vikings, Bears, and Lions in the same year, while you get to play that NFC North team twice, at least you already have like an established rivalry with them. I don't know. Yeah. It's just kind of like a thought. It's not... I don't think that they've really worked out the kinks about how they're going to make that happen, but yeah, I think, um, but yeah, I think in general, it feels like a bit of like a money grab from the owners. Yeah. Um, so to go with the, to go with the records, cause I think that this would also, this is another thing that they changed in the CBA, which is their roster sizes are going from 53 to 55 players. And the practice squad will be 12 to 14. And an interesting thing that could keep the records issue kind of out out of of the window is what if they had a scenario where, so while you do play 17 games, no individual player on the roster is allowed to play more than 16 games? Uh, Or do you think that's just too bonkers? (laughs) That would be interesting. But uh... so, like, so if you had a team that's just like elite, like, the Ravens this past year, they go 14 and two and they're going into week 18 or I guess it would be technically. Well, I mean, the Ravens already did kind of bots. rest everyone in their last regular season. Game. Right. But I'm saying like, then that's your opportunity to rest all these people or like, I don't know. It would just like also like add a factor in for like how good of a coach are you? Like at what point are you going to play your backup quarterback? At what point yeah. are you going to play? And maybe they would make exceptions for things like kickers or punters, but then again, like there's still records to be broken, like most field goals yeah. in a season. So, but yeah, I think I know, that's just like a little thing. But looking at like the NBA and what they're doing when their star players sit out, I don't think there's. <laughs> you don't think the NFL would want something like that? Yeah, just because of like you people watch to, to see the, the star players. So, right, right. I don't know. It was just a thought to be like, it would also, and I know there's going to be two buys with the regular season. Mm-hmm. So it would be like almost like giving those players another opportunity for a buy. Yeah. I don't know. It's also like, in a sense, too, if you're going to have a 17th game, you have to increase the size of the contracts that they're signing because they're playing more games. And we know that the, while the roster sizes are increasing, the amount of revenue the players are getting is also going to increase. But if you're looking at it from like a per game, basis as far as their pay goes if you think about it from a per game basis it's now going to go down because they're playing 17 so if you restrict them to only being able to play 16 gives them an extra week to rest it helps the records i don't know it was just like an idea that i had heard floated yeah around, but and the other the other happen. weird thing with the 17 games is that some teams are going to have nine home games and some teams are going to have nine rig games well, maybe they'll have it be. Maybe the NFL will really. Oh yeah, they could um, do one neutral site their, for in their neutral sites. So yeah. whether that be London, whether that be Mexico City, maybe they're going to have other international neutral sites that they're going to re- require teams to go to. Maybe they're going to have neutral sites in NFL city or in cities that don't have NFL teams in order to bring a draw. So like maybe you have games like Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> or you or you play games in in college stadiums so maybe you have Steelers play the Eagles in State College Pennsylvania Penn State yeah. I don't know just like I it could see a neutral site thing increase yeah. but we won't even be able to think about that until this COVID yeah. ends so alright last thing I wanted to chat about is the NFL play of expansion from 12 to 14 teams Um. yeah so thoughts? I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that um I feel like I feel like it 
it makes the regular season matter a little bit less. So that's one of the things I've liked more about the NFL as opposed to, let's say, like the NBA or something like that. Um, like the regular season games in the NFL, like, have quite a lot of meaning to them in terms of getting into the playoffs. And I think that's just, it devalues this a little bit. Um, and again, I think this is more of like, uh, a money focused thing from the owners like if you get more teams into the playoffs that drives more revenue for more markets stuff like that um so i'd say in general i'm not a huge fan of it um just just because of the fact i feel it makes the regular season a little bit less important but yeah no i agree because in looking at this past year because what it's doing is it's adding a, a two seed versus seven seed game in the mm-hmm. wild card round. So there's no such. So now the only team that gets a bye is the team that finishes the f- first in the conference. Yep. The two versus seven games this past year would have been Packers versus Rams and Ch- Chiefs versus Steelers. And I think it's safe to say that was those were going to be games that the two seeds were going to win. Yeah. Um, so you've just taken away the buy from those teams that have worked very hard throughout the regular season to like get to that position. Mm-hmm. And now instead of valuing all the hard work that those teams have done, you have them go out and play against a team that they're probably going to wipe the floor with anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as a Steelers fan, there's absolutely no way that they would have beaten the chiefs. Like yeah. I can say that with full confidence. Yeah. I mean, by the end of the year, they were putting their best players out and the second string Baltimore Ravens team even beat them in week 17. So uh, there was no way like, I think it's like also just decrease decreasing the quality of the game. Like we're going to get, as I said, like a very good elite team playing a, I mean, if you're getting to the seventh seed, that's an average team. Like Mm -hmm. that's not a, above average like that's an average like if you get to the seventh eighth and ninth teams those are all around the top of the bell curve if you will for the conference so there's no reason why a team like that should even be in the playoffs i kind of some of the changes like as you said like it appears like it's just benefiting the owners it's adding more games more ticket sales more tv deals Mm -hmm. while the players do get a higher share of revenue so they're going to you know, improve profitably from it. I just think as far as the quality of the game goes, I do like the fact, as you mentioned, that baseball and football, two sports that while there's 30, 32 teams, only so many are actually going to get in and they're really rewarding the teams yeah. that have great regular seasons. Well, like, yeah, I mean, baseball, teams. I guess, expanded their playoffs recently. Fairly recently. But like at the same time, like they expanded it from eight teams to 10 teams. Like Mm -hmm. it's still pretty limited. Yeah. And they have the two, they basically have like a playing game. So right. Like the two worst teams have to play. Which You could argue, you can argue about like, I've had people argue about the concept of that wild card playoff game, because there have been scenarios like, again, I'm a little biased here. There was a year where the pirates, had the second best record in the National League, but they were playing the play in game against the third best team in the National League. Yeah. So like because baseball is like, well, if you win your division, you get in. Yeah. The Pirates are playing the Cubs in twenty fifteen and like neither of those teams should have even been in the playoff game. It should have been the 
you know, the other two teams that had won the uh, NL East and NL West, which I think that year would have been the like Dodgers and the Nationals or Dodgers and the Braves or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, it just kind of, or I guess it was actually the Mets because they ended up winning the National League. But anyway, um, so yeah, just like, I think you need to reward the teams that have had the best regular season. And a sport like baseball, you play 162 games, so it's a lot different. In football, you play 16. But, you know, the teams that – and I don't know if maybe the NFL was trying to, like, incentivize some upsets or maybe some draw for the teams that are competing towards the end of the season. Like, I always feel like between weeks, like, 14 and 17, you get, like, this huge mashup of teams that are either, like – you know, at that point in the season, they're like eight and four or they're seven and five or six and six. And they're all like fighting to try to get into the playoffs. Whereas you have some teams that are like 10 and two and they're easily going to get into the playoffs. Yeah. And so maybe by increasing it to 14, you incentivize some of those like six and six teams to keep playing hard to try to get in. You make the matchups more exciting for like prime time towards the end of the year about who's going to get into the playoffs. I mean, at the end of the day, like, Sports are a reality show, so it kind of yeah. like improves the quality of the reality. But yeah. as far as the play on the field, I just think it's not going to be as great. So, mm. all right, let's talk about some uniform changes. Um, we had briefly mentioned this with our high school friends back on Thursday about some teams that we thought were either did a really good job or a really crappy job. Of the teams that either changed their uniform or their logo, what team do you think did the best and the worst? Um, I don't know too many that I would say did the best. Um, I haven't had a ton of time to look at the logos. I've only really seen the bad ones. So, um, yeah, I would I'd say, say the Falcons just, are kind of yeah. a consensus worst pick for the for the uniform <laughs> <For the> jersey. <laughs> um, I think I saw something where like uh the Panthers Twitter was like making fun of them because since they looked like the longest yard uniforms, <laughs> the mean machine. Um, uh, and then I think the consensus for worst logo is the uh, Rams new logo. Def, um, definitely. So <laughs> I'm honestly shocked that they haven't tried to change it because I think it's. I know Eric Dickerson was trying to yeah. get the organization to change it, but I guess they said no. Um, I don't think that'll be a logo for very long or, or it'll turn into like a secondary logo and they'll figure out something else for their primary. Um, I know that the Colts made a change to their secondary logo that apparently like a high school might be suing them about. <laughs> so their secondary logo is like the Colts like horseshoe. Yeah. Um, or I'm sorry. Let me hold on. Let me look it up really quick. They basically have the state of Indiana contained it's either in like the horseshoe or it's in like a C, but like there was a high school that I guess had this same type of logo, but like different colors in the state of Indiana that I guess isn't very happy about the Colts using it. So give me one second. I'll be able to like explain it better. Um, as far as like good things, like I do like the chargers new uniforms. Um, I think like they have a lot of like combinations. So while I mentioned they didn't have a great draft, they at least uh, improved their uniform equality. Um, I think the Browns also has a pretty good uniform. Like they're obviously like one of the more like original 
um, NFL teams. So the fact that they just kind of like stick to their roots was, I think, good because you could make the argument that they should like really try to rebrand and be different, but they didn't. Okay, I found the Colts logo. It's so it's the letter C, but like instead, you know how like in a normal C, there's like a circle in the middle. Instead, it's the state of Indiana. Oh, okay. So like it kind of looks cool, but it also is like copy supposedly it's copying like another logo so <laughs> there the jury might be out on that um bad uniform i think we could say yeah the falcons not so great the buccaneers literally just went back to like practically the same uniform they had between 1997 and 2013 i would say they at least improved their uniform because i wouldn't say that their the uniform they most recently had was that oh great. yeah they had the uh the alarm clock numbers yeah, it's very challenging to read. The Patriots just went back to like they're basically saying their home uniform is their color rush uniform now, which I it looks more simple. So I like I like like the simplicity, but I just me I guess kind of like liking some of the old uniform designs. I kind of wish like they would go back to the the old like Patriot logo on their helmets. Maybe oh just, yeah, like, a game or two. Like I think and that if that's they did a like the uh, like the red the elements. red uniforms. Yeah, like I think if they did like the red uniform, maybe maybe that'll end up being their color rush now because it has to be all the same color. But I don't know. I, I think obviously they're definitely trying to rebrand now that Tom Brady is no longer with the mm-hmm. with the Patriots. But um, all right, let's end the podcast with uh, the two minute drill. All right, welcome back from the two-minute drill. We're just going to chat really briefly about the way that uh, sports have been impacted by COVID-19 and what we think is going to happen to sports going forward. Um, This is another thing we briefly chatted about with our friends on Thursday night when we were watching the NFL draft. Um, So just like generally, like when do you think like sports are going to return and what will it look like? Um, I think they're probably going to return... If I had to guess, I'd probably say July. Um, I feel like there there's okay. probably needs to be a little bit of ramp up period, but I think even then, we'll probably see a lot of games without fans, um, which should be interesting to watch. Um, and yeah, I think it'll kind of be a be a ramp up period. I think we'll see uh, a lot of major sports leagues overlap uh which will be interesting and uh just seeing them play at different times of the year but um yeah i mean i think uh i think this whole thing's kind of uh shown a lot of people uh like how much they value sports and stuff like that like uh like uh yeah it feels weird like uh, I was telling my roommate this. It feels weird, like going to ESPN to like check scores or something in the morning, and there's like nothing there. <laughs> yeah, it's all just like chatter from, you know, PTI, yeah, first yeah. take or or get up on ESPN, just talking about like when will it be coming back, and they all have their different predictions. So I, um, I guess I've been a little bit more of a pessimist as far as this goes. I have been one that 
has I didn't think I sh- I don't think I shared this that openly when we were with our friends on Thursday, but I and by with our friends I mean virtually, not in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally don't even think that we're going to be allowed to like be in gatherings of a certain number of people for like the rest of 2020. Okay. And I don't think so by that virtue, because you're going to either have sports follow these, especially because like when you go between States, the rules are all going to be different depending on where you go. I just don't see us. Cause even if you take out the fans, the players still have to like be on the field, be on the court or whatever, be in close contact with each other. I don't think that the, whether it be basketball, hockey, baseball, football, whatever, I just don't think there's going to be enough measures put in place or the measures that we still are using are going to be continuing to extend on month's end. And I just don't like, I basically what I'm trying to say is I don't think basketball and hockey are going to finish their regular seasons. Mm -hmm. I could see a scenario where baseball for 2020 doesn't even happen. And if football for both college and pro happen, it's either going to just not happen or they're going to do like a really shortened like spring league, especially because we know at this point spring football just doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, X, XFL reboot. Well, although XFL reboot wasn't its fault of its own, it honestly shut down because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but spring football will come back and it really honestly needs to come back for college because if it doesn't happen, then there's going to be a lot of college athletic programs that are going to have to shut down their other athletic athletic programs. Like I know for a fact, like university of Cincinnati already like shut down its soccer program, Mm -hmm. especially because these colleges rely on the football revenue to budget as much as like 80% of their total revenue. So if you don't have that revenue coming in, coming in, you're not going to be able to fund the other sports that don't generate the revenue. And you're going to see a lot of change to the college athletic landscape picture going forward that it's going to have to happen just to keep the, those the college sports afloat. Yeah. I mean, the, then you would say that there's n- the possibility of a March madness wouldn't even yeah. be realistic for next year. So yeah, I, c- I can see that. I think you're then going to get into an issue though, because some football players are going to be like, well, the NFL draft is in March and the regular seasons ha- or in April and the regular season's still happening. So why am I going to play and risk my, risk getting injured it's going to be it's going to be interesting that's just like what i think is going to happen because i think the measures that will need to stay in place about keeping away from each other i think are going to be going on a lot longer than people think that they are just like looking at how things are going in some states compared to others and if you know if the sports leagues wanted to maybe only be playing the sports in the states that are a little bit more lenient in their restrictions you might have some people like not be very happy with those decisions or it would just be a TV only sport. It wouldn't be a, it, you know, you can watch it in person. I think like it's going to be very interesting. It's definitely going to be a year. 2020 is definitely going to be a year that I remember like yeah. <laughs> how my sports viewership was like, I'm going to remember the seasons very distinctly because of this. Yeah. But I think we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. I think, I think I'm a little bit more, more optimistic but i can i can definitely definitely see see both sides of it so yeah all right any other uh final thoughts before we uh sign out uh i don't think so hope you're uh, okay we covered staying safe out there in uh pittsburgh oh thank you you too and uh out out near philly 
and uh, definitely the longest episode we've done, but a good way to kick off season two of this podcast. All right. Thanks, Andrew, for your time, and uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Thanks.